Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we're so grateful today that we have a healer. Lord, you heal our souls. You heal our spirits. You heal our bodies. We run to you today, Lord, because many of us are in need of healing. Some, Lord, uh, don't even know that they are. I pray today that you'll open our ears and open our hearts to receive from you. That at the end of this service, Lord God, those who have been revealed to them that they need to be healed, the Lord, you'll give them the courage, you'll give them the, the strength to say yes to Jesus. Thank you for healing us. We love you for it. In your name we pray, amen. My name is David Blackburn. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. It's good to have you here on this sunny day. I think if we keep saying that, one of these days it will be sunny, amen? Today we're going to wrap up the series, Can You See Me Now? We've been looking at this question in order to help us better see what God is doing in our lives. I want to examine one of the great stories of healing in the New Testament. In fact, it's one of my favorites from Sunday school. Now, we didn't have a high-tech Sunday school. They have high-tech out here in the kids' zone and the youth zone, all kinds of neat videos and big screen TVs. We had a flannel graph board. You know what? A, anybody remember a flannel graph board? Yes, yeah. The teacher had a, an easel and had a, I don't know if it was blue or green, and then it had all these characters, and you know, she could put up there and, and tell you a story. And I can still remember this story in my mind's eye. I realize there are people here today who need a healing. It could be a relationship that needs to be healed. It could be you have a financial situation that needs to be healed. Maybe others need an emotional or a spiritual healing today. Some of you may need a physical healing in your bodies or know someone who does. When people came to Jesus and they wanted to be healed, he did three things. And I believe he does the same things today. And I want us to consider this morning those things Jesus will do when we come to him for a healing. The first thing is, Jesus wants us to see him trying to calm our fears and encourage us. When you need a healing, you usually have some anxiety and fear associated with that need. The doctor report that you received isn't very good. The mortgage payment is a couple months past due. Your spouse has threatened to file for divorce. These and other situations of life like them can cause anxiety and fear in our lives. And Jesus wants us to see today that he can calm our anxieties and fears when we need a healing. Several days later, Jesus came back to Capernaum. 
the report went out that he was home. Many people had gathered. There was no room left, even in front of the door. Jesus was speaking God's word to them. And he keeps on speaking. Four men came to him carrying a paralyzed man. Since they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof over the place where Jesus was. Then they lowered the cot on which the paralyzed man was lying. Remember that story? So imagine the scene this morning. Jesus is teaching in a home. And it's packed out in this place. It's SRO, standing room only. And there are four men who have a friend who's paralyzed. And they desperately want Jesus to heal their friend. They've made up their minds to do everything possible to get their friend to Jesus. But when they get to the house, they can't go in the front door because of all the people inside and outside. But these men don't give up, and they don't give in to the obstacles that they're facing. They get creative. Anybody know what they did? Come on. They go to plan B, right? They carry their friend up to the roof of the house. And you're thinking, boy, that'd be weird if you got to my house. But see, in those days in Israel, the houses had flat roofs. And they had exterior steps going up to the roof. Families would go up on the roof in the evening to sit, catch a cool breeze, and and try to stay comfortable in that hot climate. So when the men get on the roof, they start taking up the roofing material by hand. They want to make an opening big enough for their friend to go through. The Bible doesn't tell us, but they must have used some kind of rope system put around this man's cot or his stretcher, and they lowered him down to Jesus. Jesus is teaching God's word to all these people, and at some point, they must have heard a noise. They must have seen some debris floating down into the room. They look up, and they see more than just roofing materials coming down. The men are lowering their friend down through the ceiling on this kind of makeshift bed that they had him on. You know, how do you think the paralyzed man felt making this kind of entrance into this room filled with people? Think he felt a little self-conscious? You think he felt a little anxious, a little fearful? I mean, put yourself in his shoes. What about us? How would you feel? Why in the world would anyone let people do that to them? Why? I'll tell you why. The paralyzed man let his friends do this because he's desperate. He can't walk, and he wants to walk. 
He needs a healing. The question to you today, are you desperate today? Are you in a place in your life where you don't know where to turn for the answers that you need? All you know this morning is that you be honest with yourself that you need a healing. Notice how Jesus reacted to what was going on. He didn't say, hey, what are you doing? You're interrupting me here. I'm the son of God. He didn't get upset for this guy dropping in on him. No, the very first thing that Jesus does is the same thing he wants you and me to see him doing in our lives when we need a healing. Jesus calms his fears and he encourages the paralyzed man with these words. Take heart, son. Read it with me. Take heart, son. Now, some translations use the words cheer up or be encouraged. Jesus wanted this man to know, he wanted him to see with spiritual eyes that he could help him with the healing that he needed. Be encouraged, man. Take heart, son. Cheer up. In other words, don't give up because I can help you. Jesus says a word of encouragement to this man. And he wants us to see this morning that he also wants to encourage some of us today. So take heart, people. Be encouraged, children of God. Don't give up, Christ followers. Do you realize that this paralyzed man may be, excuse me, God may be encouraging you through the love and concern of friends, just like the paralyzed man in the story? You know, it's a blessing, and I'm sure you're aware of this, I don't have to tell you. A blessing to have friends who love us and care for us and go out of their way to help us and be there for us when we need a healing, whether that healing is physical, financial, spiritual, or emotional. The Apostle Paul admonished and praised the people in the church at Thessalonica for their ministry of encouragement. Paul writes this. So encourage each other, build each other up, just as you, what? Are already doing. Now I wondered, if Paul was writing a letter to Faith Fellowship, 4719 Seminary Road, Alton, Illinois, 62002, would he be able to say that about us? So encourage each other. Build each other up just as you are already doing. It's the prayer of all the pastors here that we be known as a church that encourages and builds up all the people who walk through its doors. All, 
no matter their age. They let me preach. All, no matter their race. All, no matter their economic status. All people. That's our prayer. What does Jesus do when we come to him for healing? Well, his first response is to calm our fears that we naturally have and to encourage us. Fear and anxiety can keep you and me from coming to Christ. We don't want to come to him because we're afraid that he'll judge us. Or we're afraid that we don't deserve to come to him. Or we're afraid that our little need isn't important as all the other needs that are floating around in the world. Yet when we do come to Jesus, and let me say he wants you to come no matter what your need, when we come to him, he always responds in love. He says, be encouraged. He says, take heart, son. Take heart, daughter. Don't give up. Don't give up. When you come to Jesus with a need for healing, he will first calm your fears. He will encourage you. And secondly, he'll confront your faults and your sins. He'll confront your faults and your sins. Now, he'll do it lovingly, not like some of us do to each other. Shame on us. But he's going to do it. He's going to confront our faults and our sins. He doesn't beat around the bush. He won't play mind games with you. He's going to tell it like it is, and he gets right to the point. Jesus said to the man, young man, what? Now, wait a minute. Let's get this right. I thought the paralyzed man had come for healing. And Jesus tells him here, your sins are forgiven. I'm a little confused, I think. He hadn't asked for forgiveness of sins. Come on, Jesus, you're the son of God. You know everything. Don't you get it? This man's here because he's paralyzed. He can't walk. His friends have gone to all this trouble and they've lowered him down in front of Jesus. And the first thing Jesus said was, take heart, be encouraged. Now he says, your sins are forgiven. Jesus didn't say, be healed. He said, your sins are forgiven. So clearly something else is going on here. Something other than physical paralysis has this man. And Jesus deals with that first. Jesus temporarily ignored the paralysis and addressed the man's greatest need first. Now, there's something we should know before we go on. Our need for healing, yours and mine, is not always caused by our personal sin. 
Sometimes we suffer innocently and we need healing because of somebody else's sin against us. The young family that is devastated by the father's death at the hands of a drunk driver. The children who've been traumatized by their parents' divorce. Not all suffering and need for healing is because of our personal sin, but some of it may be. In this life, and I've lived long enough to say this is true, at least for David Blackburn, we bring many of our problems on ourselves. Can I hear an amen? At least the honest ones out there, amen. Our lifestyles have sometimes contributed to much of our need for healing. I read about a study that found that nearly 50% of all patients in hospitals are there because of stress-related illnesses. The study said the first cause of stress-related illness was guilt, and the second cause was bitterness. It went on to say that if people could get rid of guilt and bitterness, a lot of their physical symptoms would be gone because our bodies weren't meant to handle these things, these emotions. Because of Jesus... No one has to live with these twin killers in their life. How does God the Son, Jesus Christ, forgive? The Bible says he forgives three ways. He forgives instantly. But if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. God never makes us wait. He doesn't say, you know, I'll think about it, so get back to me tomorrow. In fact, the moment you ask for forgiveness of any sin, there is no delay. God instantly forgives. So, should a Christian ever feel guilt? Well, maybe for about 10, 15 seconds, because that's about as long as it will take you to say, you know, Jesus, I admit I did that, I blew it, I sinned, whatever it might be, please forgive me, Jesus, and help me to change and be more like you. Doesn't take long. So yeah, you can have guilt for a short period of time, but then you get it right with God. And after that, you should not have to feel guilty, because the second way God forgives is completely, instantly and completely. Paul writes this, but you were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self. But God gave you new life together with Christ. He forgave all our sins because we broke God's laws. We owed a debt. 
a debt that listed all the rules we failed to follow. But God forgave us of that debt. He took it away and nailed it to the cross. When Jesus Christ died for our sins, which ones did he include? Can you read through that and figure out which ones he included? All of them. All of them. All of them. There's not a sin you've committed that Jesus Christ did not take it to the cross with him. Not only the runs you've already done in your life, but the ones you're going to do, even later today, and the rest of this year, and 2014, and 2015, and the remainder of your life. He's paid for all of them. He died for all of them. And he forgives all of them completely. Don't be lied to by the enemy. They're instantly and completely forgiven. Someone has said this, Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross so you can stop nailing yourself to the cross. Pretty powerful thought. I remember a chorus that we used to sing in church. And I thought long and hard about singing this to you. But you have enough healing in your life. Now, I'm going to spare you the pain of that. But I do want to give you the words. Because I'm not sure that the words didn't, weren't written as a result of this scripture verse here. The words go like this. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Simple course, but powerful. Powerful and very biblical in its meaning. Jesus Christ, God's Son, not only forgives instantly and completely, God forgives freely, freely. The Living Bible paraphrase of Romans 3.23 says this, Now God says he will accept and acquit us, declare us not guilty. If we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins... And we all can be saved in this same way, by coming to Christ, no matter, read it with me, who we are or what we've been like. No matter what you've done, no matter your past, you're included in that verse. You see, we'll never be able to earn God's forgiveness. Some of you are still trying to do that. Some of you have come out of, of religious systems that taught you that. We will never deserve God's forgiveness. I don't care how good looking you are. I don't care how good you smell this morning. We can't buy God's forgiveness. I don't care how much you put in the offering bag. And you can't bargain with God 
for his forgiveness. Well, God, I'll do this if you do that, and I'll do that if you do this. We, this morning, just need to accept his forgiveness because he gives it freely to us, no matter who we are or what we've been like. Amen for that. I like to read about the stories of Jesus' miracles in the Bible. And who wouldn't? Miracles over nature, miracles over sickness, and even death. But the greatest miracle Jesus ever does is the miracle of forgiveness. It's my greatest need in life. It's your greatest need in life. And our greatest need required the greatest cost when Jesus Christ went to the cross to make it possible for us to have forgiveness. The greatest miracle you'll ever have in your life is not winning the lottery. The greatest miracle you'll have in your life is not being healed of of terminal cancer. The greatest miracle in in your life comes when you say something like this, Jesus, forgive me of my sins Be my Lord and Savior. Hands down, greatest miracle you'll ever have. When you need a healing, Jesus will not only calm your fears and and encourage you and confront your sins, but he will also challenge your faith. If he's going to heal you, He wants you to see that he may ask you to do something that seems humanly impossible. Then he said to the paralyzed man, this is Jesus, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Jesus asked the man to do something he couldn't do on his own. Jesus didn't say, well, you're healed. Now, have your friends carry you out the front door back to your house. He said, you're healed. Now get up, take your stretcher, and go on home. Here's a man who has to be carried everywhere he goes. And as far as we know, he's never walked in his life. You think he might be a little apprehensive about this time? a little doubtful after he heard those words from Jesus? You think he might have thought, you know, what if I try to stand up and and I fall on my face in front of all these people? What if it doesn't work? Jesus was asking him to do something that seemed humanly impossible, at least for him. I have a feeling that the paralyzed man had probably tried to get up at home. Maybe pull himself up by some way. I think he's tried many times to stand, but it never worked. It hadn't worked in the past for him. So why should it work this time? Well, this time is different. Because this time... Jesus was telling him, stand up, brother. Stand up. This time, Jesus is challenging his faith. And Jesus wants us to see that faith is something we 
do. It's more than just thinking up here. It's more than just believing in here. Faith is action. Faith is doing something God tells you to do even when you don't understand it. So this is the third thing that Jesus wants us to see when we have a need for healing in our life. When you need a healing, Jesus may ask you to do something that seems humanly impossible for you. I don't know what he's going to ask us to do. But it will require us to put our faith in him and then take action. If you've got a relationship problem that needs healed, he may say to you, I want you to go and ask forgiveness. But you say to him, I can't do that. If you've got a financial problem that needs healing, Jesus may say, you know, I want you to start putting me first and and giving to the church. And and you say, I can't do that. You may have a need for a physical healing that will require some kind of drastic change in your lifestyle. And you say, I can't do that. Whatever God says and asks you to do that seems impossible That thing where you say, I can't, I can't. Just remember this. Jesus will always give you the grace and the power to do it. Always. He won't ask you to do it if he doesn't give you that grace and the power to do it. You see, in some ways, every one of us in this room are like this paralyzed man. We have no idea how we could ever take the necessary step of faith that Jesus requires us to take. We all have areas of our lives that find us paralyzed and flat on our backs on the stretcher. Some of us are paralyzed by worry. Some of us are paralyzed by loneliness. Some of us are paralyzed by depression. Some of us are paralyzed by envy. Some of us are paralyzed by anger. Some of us are paralyzed by unforgiveness. And the list could go on and on and on. But we're paralyzed. You see, it really doesn't matter if Jesus can calm your fears and encourage you. It doesn't matter if he can forgive you of all your sins if you don't do something in response to that. You've got to respond in faith. I've got to respond in faith. How do you show faith? The paralyzed man did what we must do. The paralyzed man admitted that he needed help. The paralyzed man believed that Jesus can and will help him. And the paralyzed man believed that Jesus and did what Jesus told him to do. We must do these things. 
the paralyzed man admitted that he needed help. He allowed his friends to do what was necessary to get him to Jesus. Crazy, crazy story in the natural. He could have said, you know, I think I was going to stay home today because I heard there's going to be a big crowd down there. And I, I just think I'll stay home today. He could have said, look at me. I'm embarrassed. Every time I go out in public, people laugh at me and make fun of me. I'm just going to stay home. I don't want to be seen in public today. He didn't use those excuses or any other excuses. And oh, aren't we good at excuses? He admitted he needed help. Just as my friends, you and I must admit we need help today. We must also believe that Jesus can and will help us. He longs to help us. The paralyzed man and his four friends certainly believed that. Otherwise, the paralyzed man wouldn't have let them waste their time tearing up somebody's roof, letting him rip down in front of Jesus in the middle of a Bible study. Who'd do that if they didn't believe something good was going to happen? He obviously believed, if I get to Jesus... Jesus can heal me and help me. Jesus wants us to believe the same thing today. When we get to Jesus, he'll help us. He'll heal us. He'll do what no one else can do for us. And finally, we must do whatever Jesus tells us to do. Jesus said, I want you to get up. I want you to take your bed, your stretcher, and I want you to go home. What if the man hadn't done what Jesus told him to do? What if it had been like some of us? Just lay there. What if he hadn't attempted to do what he thought was impossible? What if he hadn't done what I'm sure he was very afraid to do? If he hadn't obeyed Jesus... I don't think we'd be talking about his story some 2,000 years later. There are three categories of people here this morning. Some of you have a need, and you're hurting like the man in our story. Your sin has paralyzed you. Your body may look okay on the outside, but inside you're paralyzed. The Bible says this about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same, read it with me, yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. One of my most favorite scriptures. And Jesus wants you to see this truth about him. Not only does he want you to see it, he wants you to believe it deep within your heart, this truth about him this morning. The Jesus that we honor and worship and glorify today by our presence, by our singing, by our music, by our giving, by our prayers, this same Jesus... was there 
when the man came through the roof who needed healing, who needed to be forgiven of his sins. The same Jesus, the same Jesus. We don't worship a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. It's the same Jesus. Because of this verse, I know that Jesus Christ can heal you and me spiritually and can forgive us of our sins no matter what that sin is. We can get a new start this very morning. We can have a new beginning May 5, 2013. Jesus forgives instantly, completely, and freely. Well, others of you have asked Christ to forgive you of your sins. You're a Christian. You're a Christ follower. But you haven't gotten up off the mat, off the stretcher. You haven't moved off the stretcher because your faith hasn't been exercised. You need to exercise and demonstrate your faith starting this morning. One way to do that is to make a commitment to begin serving here at Faith Fellowship. You've thought about it, some of you. You've even sensed Jesus encouraging you to do so, but you're still lying on the stretcher. You're still down on the ground on the cot. Some of you need to make a faith commitment Exercise your faith in the area of purity in your life. You need to block some computer sites beginning this very day. You need to take some TV shows off your DVR this very day. You need to quit either one or more unhealthy relationships that you have. You need to make a change because what you're doing now is compromising your life with Christ. God wants you to walk away from those things, but you're still lying on the stretcher. And he's been asking you to walk away from those things for a long time, but you're still down there on the ground on the cot. Maybe... Those of you in this category need to demonstrate and exercise your faith by starting to give to the cause of Christ with tithing as your end goal. Oh, you, you can't tithe now, or, or you're, you're, but you want to work your way up to say, Lord, it all belongs to you. I'm giving back a portion of it to you. But I have this goal, Lord, someday in the not-so-distant future that it will be 10%. That's some of you. Whatever it might be, Jesus wants you to see this morning that he's calling you to get up off the stretcher, get up off the cot, and come on home to him, so to speak. Demonstrate your faith. Exercise your faith in that area of your life where it needs to be demonstrated and exercised. And then finally, there's a third category made up of those of you who aren't in any pain this morning, you aren't in any need as far as 
you can tell and your friends and family can tell. But at this very moment, you know somebody who is. And right now, I believe the Lord's dropping that person into your heart, into your spirit. You know somebody. They're a friend. They're a relative. They're a neighbor. They're a coworker. Someone who needs a healing in some area of their life. Physical, emotional, spiritual. And I believe Jesus would ask this of you and me. What are you going to do about it? When are you going to bring that person to me? When are you going to care enough for that person to do whatever it takes to bring them to the one who can heal them? Without the four friends, the paralyzed man would have never received his spiritual and physical miracles. Never. They were concerned enough to do something about their friend. They didn't just pray for him and and forget about him. Well, I'm thinking about you, brother. They personally got involved, and they did what it took to bring him to Jesus. And by the way, even though the Bible doesn't say it, they were willing to pay the price because somebody paid for the roof repairs. Somebody called Johnny Construction and said, get out here and fix his roof. Now, friends, I'm just hopeful enough to believe that there's a church full of people who would say, you know, I want to be like those four friends in the story. I don't care if my name ever gets in 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 the log, but I want to be like those four friends. So what group are you in this morning? You're in one of these three. No other way to cut it. Are you willing to let Jesus show you where he sees you? You know, we've talked through this whole series, Can You See Me Now? That was Jesus' question to us. And we've seen Jesus in a variety of wonderful stories. But now it's time as we come to the close, Jesus, where do you see us? Because that's all that matters. Where do you see me, Jesus? What healing do I need? What do I need to do? How do I need to respond? I'm going to pray. The band's going to come out and play. And I'm just going to believe with the Lord that some of you will come down and pray with those who will be standing on both sides. That you'll honestly ask the Lord, where do you see me, Jesus? What do I need to do? How do I need to come out of my comfort zone and come forward and pray with other brothers and sisters in Christ? That I might make the right response this morning. And not just lay there on the cot. Lord Jesus, we thank you today that you're our healer. Where would we be without you today, Jesus? It's not a pretty picture. Lord, thank you for healing us and forgiving us, sustaining us, empowering us, giving us hope. Lord, thank you today that you want us to respond. Yeah, you forgive our sins, you calm our fears, 
you challenge our faith, and then we just get up out of our seat and we go on our way. But Lord, I believe you're speaking to somebody this morning. And you're just asking them, would you just go down front? Would you pray? Would you respond? Would you let me speak to you? Now as the band comes, Lord, and plays this great song, speak to us through your spirit, Lord. No arm twisting by me. No arm twisting by any other human being in this room. Lord, we want it to be all of you that you might be glorified and edified in it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.